Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And now, it's the rest stop. Brad Restituto. Welcome to the rest stop on this Thursday. We're live here. I'm live in Las Vegas, but we're live every Tuesday and Thursday, nine o'clock Pacific time here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football and also live on our social media podcasting and live platforms. We've got a good show for you tonight as NFL opening night 2020 is less than 48 hours away and it's back and we're excited about that. Some great NBA playoff action, some great breaking news in the NBA, some news in the NFL, and we've got a great session of the Believers Confessions tonight, uh, and it's going to have a little bit of a twist, so make sure you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a good one tonight, and make sure you check out all of our broadcast here on the rest stop at Chris Landry Football on Twitch.tv, and then you can hear the podcast at chrislandryfootball.com, or you can search Landry Football Conference Call on all the podcast platforms, and you can find all of our shows. And speaking of Chris Landry, he's coming up and joining us, and we're going to waste no time in introducing him, former NFL scout, coach, and the operator of Chris Landry Football, chrislandryfootball.com. Been one of the busiest, busiest bands this football offseason, and I appreciate a little bit of time, and we're going to get it started right away with some NFL talk. Here for 2020. Chris, thanks for taking a little time and joining us tonight out there in Louisiana. Good to be with you, Brad. It's uh, it's football season. I had to join you here this early. It's uh, football season, or this late, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fired up, and uh, as we get some of the listeners here on board uh, joining us through chat, I know they're ready for some football, too, as we've been talking about it throughout the show. Let's not waste any time. It starts off Thursday night. The defending champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, taking on the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson just signed a big contract. Uh, from my perspective, Bill O'Brien's made some questionable moves here in this offseason, trading away DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of pressure on him this year to make some noise in a, in a conference that in the AFC South that's going to be a lot more competitive with Phillip Rivers at quarterback for Indianapolis and a little bit of a more healthy team with the Colts. 
And of course, the Tennessee Titans were really competitive last year. So it's going to be a tough road for the Houston Texans. Kansas City is a nine point favorite in this game. Uh, without there being any preseason, a shortened pandemic offseason, do you think this favors an experienced coach like Andy Reid's? What are your thoughts on this matchup in particular as the game kicks off here on Thursday? I think in general, um, when you have a team that's got the same head coach, coordinators, you know, key starters on offense and defense, I think there's a little bit of an advantage there. Um, specifically here, I think there's a lot of continuity with Kansas City. I think they're a better team, but it's going to be interesting to see um, how sharp a team is. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any doubt in my mind that Kansas City will have the better season. Um, but this game, it's interesting. I remind folks, even though this is not the same team, this is a Houston team that had this Kansas City team pretty much buried and gone in the playoffs. And, you know, they kind of uh, – they, they, they didn't finish the job, and they let the door open, and, um, and the Chiefs came back, give them credit because they took care of business. And I, I wonder if, you know, if this may not, you know, uh, stick in the Texans' crawl that, hey, you know what, we've got a lot to prove. But I do think the Chiefs are better, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how this game plays out. I, my, my sense is Chiefs will take care of business, but I, I don't know that it'll be as lopsided as maybe. I think it's a nine-point spread. I don't know that it's going to be quite that. We'll see. Well, it's going to be exciting. Well, one of the more exciting games of the week uh, starting off on Thursday. Chris, I want to talk to you about some of the details, attention to detail with some of these teams coming in to this unique season. Uh, with the expanded practice squad rosters, with it being kind of, uh, not kind of, no preseason whatsoever, I really think there's going to be a strong advantage with some of the experienced coaches uh, and teams that have continuity, continuity going in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that opinion? And do you think we should watch out for any surprise rookie coaches that may be more prepared than we give them credit for? Well, I, I agree with you. I think, obviously, when you have no real true offseason, I mean, think about it. We give first-year coaches extra practice time, an extra mini camp to get ready in a normal environment. You take away all off-season activity, basically, mini camps, OTAs, and you make it that much more difficult. So it's a definite advantage to a team that has same head coach, same coordinators, same quarterback, that's not running a different system. Huge advantage there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if you're in a situation with a new coach, um, a new quarterback, you're running a different system, you have less time to integrate that. So I think this is another example, just to use the Chiefs as an example of a lot of things are returning. Now, you know, the motivation and everything, and I don't think they've had kind of a normal celebratory offseason either. So I think there is a lot to what you say, and I do think it's going to be quite the challenge for young coaches. So, I mean, I wonder, you know, a Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland or some and any one of the coaches that are coming in with their new system, with their new philosophy, uh, you don't have as much time to integrate that. So I, I think there is going to be a huge advantage or disadvantage as the case may be. Chris, you mentioned a guy I want to talk about in particular in a team, Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. 
Uh, look, I've been a diehard Vikings fan my whole life. I'm very dialed into that organization in particular. Kevin Stefanski's been uh, a part of that coaching staff for well over a decade. Uh, I think he's done a fine job, um, but I'm not as sold on him as a lot of people are. A lot of people are very enamored with Kevin Stefanski because he meets all the intangibles on the outside. He's good looking. He's well-spoken. He's extremely likable. He's got a fantastic pedigree. He's graduated from Penn and Ivy League school. He checks all the boxes, Chris. So a lot of people think this is the right move and that he's going to turn this around. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but until the Cleveland Browns themselves prove that they're not the Cleveland Browns, uh, I'm not going to buy into this. This is Baker Mayfield's third offensive coordinator and third coach in three years. They've got great weapons on paper, but I think the continuity and chemistry with this team is not as good as we would like it to be. And I, I don't know that Kevin Stefanski's on-the-field uh, resume as opposed to his pedigree is enough for me to convince me that right away – He's going to go ahead and turn that around. Look, uh, the Vikings have had some success with Stefanski. He was under Brad Childress at one point in time. Of course, that transitioned under Leslie Frazier and, of course, recently under Mike Zimmer. Um, and, look, Stefanski was a, a real consideration to see if, if they could promote him, and they promoted him when Pat Shermer left. But the Vikings, with Stefanski on their coaching staff, still has never made a Super Bowl appearance, hadn't got past the NFC championship game. And in last year in their biggest game, when he had a coaching interview with the Browns, the Vikings had their worst offensive performance. I know it was against the best defense, but they could barely manage 10 first downs. That's the last thing I saw from him. And I want to talk about week one in particular, where, where Stefanski may have success down the road. I don't think it's going to happen in year one. A lot of people think this matchup week one against Baltimore, a division matchup, could be close. Uh, I think Cleveland's going to have their hands full, and I think they got they get beat by 10-plus points. I know it was very long-winded there, but I'm passionate about the Vikings and Stefanski. Um, what are your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, a team that you're very familiar with? Have you had well, a lot of history with? I, I think the, the, the key issue is the Browns organization and the recent history under Jim Haslam. Um, the lack of stability, I would say, in this recent team, it, it, I would call it a a, uh, a lack of maturity on the team. I think we've seen this team, you know, last year they were the everybody's darlings. They were going to great year and whatnot. The reason is that it's not that they don't lack talent. And I think it, it is a lack of continuity, a lack of maturity, a lack of leadership. Uh, I think it's an awfully tough job for anybody. And uh, certainly, you know, you had a situation where you had a first-time head coach, didn't do a very good job, and he was part of that staff and wasn't ready. And I think you could make the case that, in my mind, that Kevin is a very bright coach, but the leadership part of this is going to be quite the challenge. So I do think this is a pivotal year, but in his first year, if things continue to be very disorganized and dysfunctional, it'll go towards some of the decisions that they've made prior to him being there. And I do think there would be somewhat of a house cleaning with some of the key players and personnel. For example, if Odell Beckham continues to be a little bit of a knucklehead, then I think that's going to be 
part of the the problem and will lead to some changes with that. Um, so I'll go ahead and say that I think it's a tough job that he has. Um, Kevin, that is, and, and I, it is hard to say how he'll handle as a first time head coach, which is why I think it's very difficult. Uh, and, um, I, I think there's not as much expectation if there's a positive in that while you're still hearing some chirping from Odell and a couple of folks, been very quiet on the Baker Mayfield front, which is good because last offseason, when we heard things, it was not necessarily the things that you want to hear. So you wonder, again, a wait-and-see approach I would take on this team's level of maturity. And, you know, I think they have talent. I think potentially this could make for a very tough division because I do think Baltimore is very talented. I think Pittsburgh's going to be a lot better with Big Ben returning, assuming he can stay healthy. And I do think Cleveland is good enough to be an 8-8, eight and eight, maybe a 9-7 and seven type team as a roster. Now, does that, do I mean that I think that they're going to win 8-9? Not necessarily. We'll see. But I think that other than the Bengals, every team in this division has the personnel to be a consistently good team week in, week out. I agree with you, Chris. And look, I I don't want it to be to be misconstrued. I think Kevin Stefanski is the right direction that Cleveland needs to go in for the long term if they want to stick with it. I just don't think they're going to have early success, and I think they're going to have their hands full week one in particular. Uh, Chris, I, I want to talk about fans in the stands for the NFL and what impact that's going to have. Here in Vegas, they typically give three points and the point spread to the home team, there's only going to be five teams that are going to roll out week one or early in the season with fans. And the most is going to be the Jaguars at, I believe, 25%, somewhere around 17,000 fans. If it's my personal handicapping, uh, I'm going to say that the fans are worth two points. And maybe just being in the comfort of your own home in your own stadium, I'll give it one point as a favorite. What are your thoughts on the impact of no fans and the teams with a little amount of fans? Do you think it gives them any edge as opposed to having no fans at all? Oh, I think it's going to be, it's going to feel real weird. You know, Um, I don't know that we're going to notice it as much. I'm I'm, I'm curious. My my sense is if you're watching it on TV, uh, my sense is they'll do a pretty good job of, you know, bringing in the crowd noise and all the, but, but I, it's not, it's not going to be the same atmosphere in terms of a player. Uh, I think that, you know, there are certain stadiums that get very loud and become very advantageous for the home team being able to get off and uh, get off the snap and, and create some communication issues. Uh, I think those things are going to be mitigated a tremendous amount. So I, I do think, uh, you know, you think in terms of college atmosphere where the crowd has a bigger effect. And I think as a rule, that is true. But in the NFL, there is. Uh, Kansas City's very, very, uh, it comes to mind. Uh, Green Bay, uh, New Orleans hosting Tampa Bay, and which is probably the game of the week. No fans in the dome. I mean, that's going to have a tremendous impact. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um one of the things that I thought about before they decided they were going to allow certain crowd noises, um, I think of this thing from a coaching standpoint, kind of go into 
my background is, man, you're trying to communicate with your team on the sideline and you're yelling instructions. I mean, if there's no fans, I mean, there's echoing. They can hear what you're telling them. So I, it, that's why I think they're allowing certain amount of ambient crowd noise so that you don't get a lot of your instructions that are reverberated across the field where you make adjustments or high blocking adjustments and shouting out instructions and they're hearing it over there just like you're talking to them. Um, that's the first thing I thought of from a communication standpoint. And obviously everyone did. And that's why they figured out we'll pipe in some crowd noise to kind of take that part of it out. Wrapping things up with Chris Landry. Uh, and, and of course you can see in the background, the uh, owner CEO of LandryFootball.com, And of course you can follow us on the Landry football Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. If you miss us live here on Twitch, make sure that you go to LandryFootball.com or any of your podcasting platforms and search Landry football conference call to make sure you listen and click all of the podcasts and subscribe to us here on Twitch under Landry football and all of the platforms. Chris, I want to ask you in your neck of the woods and you mentioned the game that I wanted to touch on new Orleans and Tampa Bay, but I want to talk more specifically about quarterback Drew Brees. A couple months ago, he was very much front and center in the headlines of some of the comments he made in the civil unrest. Do you think that's kind of blown over? Uh, or do you think that we may see uh, some impact on the field from maybe some of the offensive linemen? Uh, and do you think Drew is comfortable moving forward into this season without any of that holding over his head? I think things are fine with Drew. I mean, we're, we're not talking about somebody that's um, that's been anything but a team leader. Now, certainly uh, what he said and how certain players, you know, took it uh, needed to be addressed. It was, and I think that's the end of it. Now, I think that there are a lot of people, and we know in a very, very um, highly sensitized environment that we're in, there are some people that, think he shouldn't have said, you know, what he said in the beginning. Some people said he shouldn't have apologized. I think at the end, you know, he was making a statement with regard to how he felt about the flag and probably wasn't sensitive enough to uh, what the real meaning and purpose behind the kneeling were. And, and that is, you know, as someone that's not political in their own right, I think uh, Drew probably just stepped in it and that, you know, you've got to be very careful. And I think you might see things or feel things a certain way, but you have to have respect for how other people might feel about it. And I think he kind of learned that, but you know, if you know the guy and the team knows him, um, he's anything, you know, but you know, uh, he's, he's just a, one of the best people in the business and uh, certainly one of the best teammates. So I don't see any issue with it. I think the, the one thing with the Saints is they have been the most consistent team in the NFC and probably the most consistent best team in the NFL the past and NFC over the past three or four years, but they've fallen a little bit short. And so you wonder in this weird year, can they keep it together? It's probably Drew's last year. Uh, they've kind of mortgaged their future from a cap standpoint. Um, do they have enough weapons? Michael Thomas is unstoppable. Can he stay healthy? Brought in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, they were not able to get Clowney. They finished, you know, close to getting him, but weren't. It's a good defense. Can they get enough done to get over the hump? Because for the last three years, they've been all in on trying to win 
kind of mortgage in the future. So it's always difficult, Brad, when you do that, because normally when you win, you put a good team together and things just kind of fall into place. That's been my experience in the league. And it's when you normally chase it and it's kind of a one-year-only, one-year-only, it, it puts a lot of that at pressure. And you wonder in this unusual year uh, how this thing's going to play out for them. But I think the morale on the team is absolutely fine. It's just about getting some breaks from a health standpoint and it's going to be an unusual year for that because you're not going to know what's going to happen. Although I will say things are off to a really good start. I'm knocking on wood here uh, with the COVID test because 44,000 tests here in the recent one positive. You know, I was a little bit concerned and, and maybe I still should be that we might have some problems this year. At this stage, it looks like you know, people in the league say, you know, we're, we're pretty good. We're going to go with our normal routine. And, you know, I felt like this might be an unusual year of, you know, we could wake up and the worst team could beat the best team because, you know, the worst team, the best team might be completely debilitated one week. That still could happen, but it looks like it is less likely for that to happen than I would have thought, say, two months ago. Yeah, you make a great point there. And an interesting move we've seen with this unique roster configuration, now with the practice squads getting extended and you're able to have a player on the practice squad with no restrictions, if you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles have done, putting Josh McCown, 41-year-old journeyman quarterback, on their practice squad, it's quite the unique circumstance. And it's really going to be interesting to see how GMs navigate through this newfound ability um, to maybe have players waiting in the wings that can really make an impact should you lose an important player. What are your thoughts on, on that move? And and will there be coaches and GMs that stand out for utilizing this to their advantage better than others? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think it, it to me it was essential that you did something in this unique environment to create an opportunity where you can slide a player in and out um, in, in, so making those adjustments this year, I think were really significant. No question. I think roster management is important. I've always been a big believer that you build your roster, not just from the top down, but from the bottom up and the ability to have the type of depth and to have a team that can compete from Thanksgiving on is so critical. I mean, it's about positioning yourself to then and then about finishing down the stretch. And the teams that are the most versatile and the most balanced um, and the deepest are the ones that can navigate through some of the issues. And um, I think if you look at every team's success down the stretch is the ability to be able to navigate a certain problem in a game or stretch a game. So I think having the ability to kind of have more maneuverability with guys in the practice squad uh, is really important. And being able to do that, handle that the best is going to be important and to kind of protect your roster on a week in week out basis. You know, you go in, you don't have to have necessarily three quarterbacks in a game, but have three quarterbacks at your disposal to use is important uh, for obvious reasons. Chris, last team and matchup I want to touch on in week one, the Atlanta Falcons and Seattle Seahawks. Atlanta's a team I'm going to be high on this year. I like the fact we talked at the very beginning about continuity. Um, Dan Quinn is back this season as the head coach. They've added Todd Gurley in the backfield. Uh, and stable quarterback Matt Ryan, who 
they, they finished the year strong last year, knocking off San Francisco. So I'm thinking they can bring some of that momentum into this year with there being no preseason. Seattle is always going to be solid as long as Russell, Russell Wilson is behind center. Uh, what are your thoughts on Atlanta going into this season and, more importantly, this week one matchup, Seattle and, and the Atlanta Falcons? You know, the real key for me in Atlanta is their play at the line of scrimmage. Can they run the football better? Um, their offensive line's been an issue. Um, I think last year, both sides of the line of scrimmage, they struggled. Now, as you mentioned, they started the season very poorly last year and finished in the blaze of fire. I mean, it was it was a great turnaround. Now, in its, you know, well, momentum, but it's it's a little bit of substantive changes that they made and how they called their defense and how they played. But it's really going to come down to how they're able to run the football and being a better line of scrimmage team. That'll determine whether they can be a factor in a very difficult division in the NFC South with the aforementioned Saints and the aforementioned Bucks. Um, for Seattle, that is uh, another team that I worry a little bit about on the line of scrimmage offensively. And their best defensive lineman last year is not there. So uh, I do think Seattle can compete in that division, maybe even win it. Uh, because San Francisco's health is an issue. Um, and I do think that Seattle, with Matt Ryan, can be very competitive. Uh, but it's about the play at the line of scrimmage. I actually think the Falcons may have a little bit of an advantage in this game here early. Um, but who knows? I think Seattle will be the better team over the course of the season. But it's the line of scrimmage for both of these teams that are going to determine um, how far they can go this year. Chris, I really appreciate all that you do for us here at Landry Football on the Twitch channel. I appreciate you taking a little time out of your night over there and joining us here on the rest stop. Get some sleep, my man, and have a great week and look forward to uh, catching, touching base with you later in the season. Hey, look forward to it. Thanks a bunch. Keep up the great work. You got a lot of great followers. Thanks for everybody uh, following us, spreading the word about uh, the Chris Landry Twitch channel and this great show here. And Enjoy the start of the football season. I know I will, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Chris. That was Chris Landry, and you can uh, follow him on Chris Landry Football on Twitter and, of course, here on the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. So make sure um, that you check us out here on the Rest Stop Live every Tuesday and Thursday and, of course, the Landry Football Conference Call for all of your podcasting. And if you're a football junkie, you can check out all things football. But make sure you stay tuned with us here. We're live, the Rest Stop, every Tuesday and Thursday, 9, 9 to 10 o'clock. The Believer's Confession's coming up here in about 15 minutes. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be quite entertaining. Um, but I'm going to bring in my main man, Spencer the Wiz, here, as he was great navigating Chris Landry there. For Spence, great to have you back here on the rest stop uh, as you're putting everything together. Uh, let's jump into, before we hit NBA, let's continue the football talk a little bit. Um, look, we've already pulled off some college football. We had uh, quite a few games here over the last week. Most recently, uh, Navy against BYU last night as BYU uh, pretty much rolled over over the midshipmen in Navy. Uh, this is this is such an interesting off season in football and a unique season. What we're having no preseason football for the first time in my memory. So it's been at least fifty plus years for sure. Uh, I really think you, for early in the season, you can throw a lot of these trends if you're betting kind of out the window. Like I see guys on Twitter talking about divisional matchups, underdogs of eight or more, uh, 30 and 12 against the spread week one. I think that's all BS right now because it's going to 
for my opinion, it's going to come down to, and we look, we saw it last year, last year, you remember the beginning of the football season, anybody that watched football, it was littered with laundry. The officials took over the broadcast. There was flag after flag penalty after penalty. And it was almost unwatchable at the beginning of the season. So with no preseason for these refs to get acclimated, the importance of having a disciplined football team is going to be more important in the beginning of this season more than it's ever been, in my opinion, especially if you're betting and you want to know how to, how to handicap this against the spread. Your thoughts, Spence? Yeah, betting is going to be certainly one of the more interesting subjects that we'll have to deal with because home crowds, no matter what, make an effect, especially in referees when there's loud crowds and that goes across all sports. Tony Brothers is one of the in the NBA is one of the worst people to do something like that in terms of taking the emotion in the game and letting it dictate his play. I would assume NFL refs are just the same. It's obviously a more physical game. So um, if they get into that too much, but I do think there's going to be a lot more uh, penalties actually because when players cuss at each other and stuff like that, I think there's going to be a lot of rough. <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with you. The more disciplined teams are going to be better at the beginning of the season. So maybe the Patriots will be able to sneak out a few wins in the beginning simply off of that. Well, speaking of the Patriots, uh, they play the Dolphins in Foxborough week one. Dol- uh, the Patriots are sitting as a six and a half point favorite. And we're going to get into to more of the lines on Thursday coming up into your football weekend so we can kind of navigate uh, some of the injuries as they go. As we, We've had breaking news here in the last few hours on the injury front. Superstar uh, defensive lineman for the Denver Broncos, Vaughn Miller has an ankle injury that's serious, and they're talking about that he's going to be missing the season. That's a huge blow for a Denver team under second-year head coach Vic Vangio that had a lot of high expectations with Drew Locke stepping in as a starter, a lot of weapons at wide receiver that they've drafted and that they're carrying over. Um, But losing their best player as a whole is a huge blow, not only on the field, but psychologically. That guy's a leader in that locker room, uh, and it's going to take away a lot of the steam starting the season when his teammates are realizing uh, we've got to refocus and go about starting our season without our best defensive player. Yeah, and especially in the AFC West, which isn't even particularly talented outside of the Chiefs, but all three of the rest of the teams, the Raiders and the Chargers and Broncos, obviously are pretty evenly uh, matched up between the three of them. Like You could see all those series at least getting split. At the very least, no one has an advantage over the other one, excluding the Chiefs, of course. So losing your best defensive player could be the difference between losing to the Chargers and stuff. So I'm much less on the Broncos now than I was before, without a doubt. Well, for everybody ready to get started on not only their betting, but watching the games, it's going to start off Thursday, and it's going to start off at uh, Arrowhead in the Kansas City Chiefs against the Houston Texans. The Chiefs are sitting as a nine-point favorite in that game. As Chris said, look, the the Texans gave Kansas City all they could handle in that playoff game for uh, basically about 45 minutes of that game, and then it was takeover by the Chiefs. It's going to be interesting to see how this game shapes up. Sometimes there's the Super Bowl hangover. I think with this season being as different as it was, there hasn't been as much partying or unfocusedness, if that's a word, from Kansas City. Uh, I think they're going to be ready to ready to play Thursday, and they're going to bring their best. I, I like them in this matchup uh, because I don't like the, what Bill O'Brien's done this offseason. I think you're going to, again, have to rely on Deshaun Watson to carry your team by himself. And I don't know that he's capable of doing that for 16 games. He stayed healthy last year, but throughout the staple of his career, he's had injury problems. And not having a preseason and an offseason 
uh, it's going to make even more in question some of the players that have had injury issues as far as I'm concerned coming into this season. So guys that have not been reliable to stay injury free, I'm going to watch a little more closely as we go into this season. Uh, and that goes for Patrick Mahomes too. I mean, he was injured last year a little bit. It's going to be important that these guys have taken great care of themselves here in this off season and that they're ready to go physically and mentally because this is a season like we've never seen before. That's why I put the emphasis on coaching so much. And I think Andy Reid is a consummate professional uh, and he, he far and away outclasses Bill O'Brien. Uh, I like the Chiefs in this matchup, Spence. I think the Chiefs can roll in this game and I think they can cover this nine point spread at home. No fans but the comfort of their own stadium. And look, the Chiefs, their, their second Super Bowl victory in franchise history. Um, Adam Joseph chimes in, talks about the secondary. Uh, it's <laughs> Look, the Chiefs have got a lot of defensive players back. They really have a lot of their team back as a whole. So um, I like the Chiefs in this matchup. Uh, it's going to be interesting, though. The Texans, J.J. Watt will be back healthy. They've got some players on defense. It's just going to be a great matchup to start off. Uh, how do you think this one shapes up, Spence? I think it's a blowout. I think the Texans are going. I think the Texans are out of the playoffs this year. I love Deshaun Watson, without a doubt. It's not going to be because of him. But when you lose your two most impact, impactful players on offense and defensive side of the ball, if if you're going to tell me that that's not going to make the difference on a team that's coached by Bill O'Brien, who I'm not even a fan of either. The correct response to this offseason would have been, hey, we're going to fire you because of how bad you coached the game. We almost beat, we would have beat the Chiefs if you didn't go for them a fourth down up two scores or, you know, just an, an endless amount of mistakes. That's a, that's a fireable offense. Instead, they promoted him and let him take over the team. And what he did with the team was get rid of uh, their best player without a first round pick and also let Clowney walk without a sign and trade. Yeah, it's interesting. Look, guys, make sure you turn, tune in Thursday to the rest stop live, 9 o'clock Pacific time. Me and Spence are going to go down every game on the schedule for Sunday and Monday leading into the season. We're going to give you some in-depth analysis and give you our, our picks against the spread. So make sure you turn, tune in on Thursday. We're going to hit all of those games and then give you a little recap of Thursday's game also. Um, the Tominator wants to know the feelings about Adrian Peterson going to the Lions. Um, well, I'm going to take it from Washington's perspective first because they're the team that released him uh, and a team that already is without Darius Geis, their former second-round pick of a year ago that they released because it was off-the-field issue. So the fact that you didn't already have Darius Geis and you've let go of your leading rusher, rusher from last year and Adrian Peterson, uh, it tells me that Washington saw something that they felt they could move on from, and they're going to go younger at that position. Um, I personally, and it's a personal bias because being a Vikings fan, of course, I'm going to have uh, probably an undying love for Adrian Peterson in some capacity as he was great for that franchise for well over a decade. Uh, but a, a guy that's as dedicated and determined and takes care of his body as much as he does, uh, I've got to believe he's still got I'm going to give him two more solid years in the tank where I think if he gets the carries, he can make an impact. Uh, the thing with Peterson in a day and age where the diverse running back is more at a premium, somebody like an Alvin Kamara that can catch the ball out of the backfield and rush the ball. Uh, Peterson's not much of a threat out of the backfield as some of the other guys in an NFL that's more of a spread offense. So um, I think that tells me a little bit about what Washington wants to do moving forward. And Detroit and Matt Patricia coming from that Belichick tree, they like to run the football. They like to be run first, and they like to dominate the line of scrimmage and set the tone of the game. So I think that fits what Patricia wants to do. 
Uh, Matt Stafford's going to be healthy this year, so they're not going to run the ball 30, 40 times a game. Stafford's going to get his, and he's going to have to be good for them to win games. But I think run first, Patricia wants to do, and he wants to dominate that line of scrimmage now. They have a backfield with Carryon Johnson and, and some other guys in that backfield that are going to get some touches. So I don't know that Adrian Peterson comes in to Detroit right away and takes the starting position. Uh, but I think if he's healthy and he has an opportunity to be productive, I think he can be. Um, but we're just going to have to see. Clearly, Washington saw something that they were going to move on. Peterson was their leading rusher last year. So that says something to me, and it's something I want to monitor closely. So uh, we're going to have to see how it plays out. There's no guarantee that Peterson walks in week one and gets the bulk of the carries for the Lions. Spence, what are your thoughts? I think the biggest storyline from the Adrian Peterson signing to the Lions is that the Lions invested an early second-round pick in DeAndre Swift. So it details to me at the at maybe he's not picking up the playbook, maybe he's not as good as blocking as they want him to be. That's a bad sign for Lions fans, in my opinion. Uh, make sure you guys stay tuned because here in about 10 minutes, we're going to get the Believers Confessions, and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be quite entertaining as uh, we're going to take you for a little twist in that, so make sure you stay tuned. But before we hit that, let's hit a little NBA, Spence, as we're in the semifinals of the Eastern and Western Conference, and it, it's been a great playoff so far. And let's start in the Eastern Conference as last night uh, the Boston Celtics took a commanding 3-2 to lead over the Raptors after the Raptors were on life support and had to have a buzzer-beating shot, as we talked about on Tuesday, to keep them from going down 3-0. Uh, they won another game since then, but Boston came back and, and they won a big game yesterday and they're up 3-2. to One more game closes it out for the Celtics. Can they get it done tomorrow and finish off the Raptors? I don't think they're going to close it out. I think it will go to a game seven, but I ultimately do favor the Celtics. They just have more talent on their team. And Siakam obviously hasn't played up to the bill. I didn't expect that. I think those were expectations that that were undeserving of him, which isn't a great sign for Toronto being that he is, I believe going to be 27 next year. And he hasn't had a fully developed game. He's just a great secondary player. And at the end of the day, I love Kyle Lowry. I like Ben Fleet. I think they're both incredible players, but neither of them are stars. They're just inc- they're just A plus role players, very similar to Chris Middleton, which is the heart of so much of their problems in Milwaukee. But that's a discussion for another time. Uh, Toronto is just the well- most well coached team in the league, and uh, I just don't expect them to go out like that. You think it gets them to a game seven? We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I I think Boston's got too much talent. I think they put it away tomorrow. Let's keep it in the Eastern Conference tonight. uh, The Miami Heat closed out the the Milwaukee Bucks, and they they won the series four games to one in a big upset as they were a significant underdog going into this series. Uh, The Bucks were without a healthy Giannis Antetokounmpo for the last two games tonight and the game before. And the Bucks gave them a good fight all the way to the end, but the Heat held on. Uh, Jimmy Butler good defensively, and Kelly Olenek played some, a key role. Uh, Tyler Hero played a pretty good game, and Miami got the job done. And they're going to be going to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they will be either taking on Boston or Toronto, and it should be a really good matchup. As the Miami Heat, man, since they lost LeBron, Pat Riley, Eric Spolster, they made some of the right moves. Uh, the Goran Dragic move has been very underrated. As he was a star in Phoenix that wasn't recognized very much, and he's had a great playoffs. And I think if he stays healthy, uh, he's going to be a really important X factor to see if they can get to the finals. Uh, what do you think the Heat's chances are of making this Eastern Conference Finals a series and giving them a real shot to represent the East in the finals, Spence? It, the difference between Miami and Boston are probably not as big as people might think. You're going to have to rely on guys like Tyler Hero quite a bit in the conference finals. 
So that's kind of really up in the air. We don't have we have no analytics on Tyler Hero, obviously, because he's a rookie, but his ability to step up and make make big plays cannot go understated. Those two threes he hit at the end of game three, or it might it may have been game four. Uh, they ended up losing that game, but still, the, the fact that that's ability in him and he has the poise to make shots like that to me is a really big deal. It, it, the series is going to come down to Jason Tatum, as it does for every series, because, you know, does he have, uh, is he going to go two for 18 like we've seen him in the playoffs, or is he going to have these big games? And without him, they can't do it because Miami's way too poised. They're the second best coach team in the league, I believe. I think it goes. Uh, nurse, and then you go Brad Stevens. Uh, I don't know. Eric Spolcher is probably second to me, and Brad Stevens a close third. But I, I, yeah, it's a it's a good matchup to be honest with you. It's it's one of the best matchups you could have imagined to have in the conference finals. I agree with you, Spence. It's going to be fun to watch, and uh, we'll see if Boston can get the job done tomorrow and uh, cement the series final in the Eastern Conference. Let's move over to the Western Conference, and tonight the Lakers got a nice win. Uh, some big stats from Anthony Davis. They take a 2-1 lead over the Houston Rockets. And the Lakers, we talked before we got on the show today, you you think they're really putting it in another gear, Spence, and, and you like the way they look tonight, and you think it gives them a lot of momentum as this playoffs continue. Tell the listeners out there your thoughts on the Lakers and, and what it's meant, how they've looked in this series, and especially LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, a game one is just one of those things. The Lakers just don't seem to be able to keep momentum in the first game of the series, which is just strange. But – they found the ability to adjust, which is really important for the playoffs. Frank Vogel is putting up a pretty good game plan. The biggest difference to me has been LeBron James. And even though you know he, he's going to get his every night, it doesn't matter. But it's the it's the way he does it. It's the way he impacts the game that truly makes a difference outside of the stat sheet. He's averaging three blocks a game and I believe two and a half steals as of right now through these first three games. And he just looks more engaged. And when you have a, an engaged LeBron James, it's almost unstoppable. He's being guarded by Robert Covington, who's fine, but physically speaking, can't possibly match up to LeBron James. The only alternative is put PJ Tucker, but PJ Tucker is playing the center position. He has to guard Anthony Davis. And the, and again, that's one of the matchups I highlighted. I'm like, okay, he used to be able to be fast because you know they're starting these two big centers. You got Javale McGee and Anthony Davis. They should be able to run past them and kind of keep up through there, but. When you when Anthony, when you realize Anthony Davis, I'm pretty sure LeBron talked to him after the after game one was like, dude, you're huge. Why are you on the perimeter? Like, that's great. You can do that. But why don't you shoot 90% from the paint and get 15 rebounds? And that's what they've done uh, for the rest of, the, of games two and three. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I I think Houston's overmatched physically, and I think that's gonna be their detriment in this series. I was telling Spence before we got in the air, if the Houston Rockets aren't putting up between fifty and sixty three point attempts per game, uh, they're not gonna have much of a shot. And Spence was telling me coming into the fourth quarter, at some point they only had twenty eight attempts. They're gonna have to have more attempts than that. That's the only way they can beat the Lakers because they're just dominated physically. And that's just how it's going to be. Uh, Russell Westbrook would have to be an absolute dynamo uh, defensively and, and be absolutely efficient offensively for them to take this to a game seven and extend the series. Uh, and that would mean them winning prob- probably game three and game five. Um, we'll, we'll see how it shapes up. I, I do think the Lakers have a stranglehold on this series. Uh, and, and it looks like um, they're going to be punching their ticket to the Western Conference Final, even though it's early. They still got to win two more games to get there. But the other series, the Clippers and the Nuggets, Spence, the Clippers had a nice win last night, and the talk after last night's game was Kawhi Leonard's big block on Jamal Murray at the rim. Um, we talked about on Tuesday, I thought this could be a competitive series. I thought the Clippers were lucky to get out 
of yesterday with the win. I, th I thought Denver was in control a lot of the second half, and they let it slip away. And uh, head coach Mike Malone talked about the free throw discrepancy. It was very big, and I think that evens up a little in game three. And I think Denver's going to be ready in game three. I don't know if they win, but I think they keep it close. Uh, I, do, I, I think the Nuggets have a lot of talent. Jamal Murray has not gone off in this series because – the Clippers are significantly better defensively in man-to-man -man defense, and, and Jamal Murray's not going to be able to do the things he was doing in the Utah series. But I expect them to have a much better game in game three and company that with Nikola Jokic and some of these guys for the Nuggets. They missed a lot of open shots in that fourth quarter. If those go down, I think Denver can get another game here, Spence. What are your thoughts on how this series shapes up coming into game three? Yeah, without a doubt. I, I see no reason why the Nuggets can't take uh, the next game. They're a really talented team, and again, it's kind of like one of those weird mismatch things. Pat Beverly won second team all defensive, uh, despite not even being in the top 15 defensive rating, which is interesting to me. But, you know, it's just a lot of it does come down to shot making, which obviously favors the Clippers and everything like that. Uh, another pivotal point, which isn't being discussed, I think, nearly enough, is Michael Porter Jr. He is responsible for 8-0 runs for the Nuggets, but he's also equally as responsible within the same two minute span of giving up eight points to the Clippers. So how do you, you can't play him two minutes at a time. It just doesn't make sense. It keeps the team out of a rhythm and everything. So it's, at this point, I almost feel like you can't play him. I don't know what you think about that. Uh, it's, it's tough. He, he's got to be better. He Look, he's got, he, he, there's no reason he should be defensive liability. He's got the size. He's got the tools. There's no reason that he can't be opposite of what you're describing his, him as right now instead of being a defensive liability and asset. So I don't know if that's coaching or, or if it's his mental, um, but there's no reason that he should be a, a defensive liability with his ability to do the things he's capable of doing on the floor. Uh, so he needs to get it fixed and quick if he's going to, like you said, make an impact on the floor and not be a liability defensively. We know what he can do offensively, and he's got the tools defensively. He's just got to be aggressive in getting over and under these picks. He's got to contest shots, and he's got to use his instincts. He can't get beat off the dribble. He's He's got to rotate effectively. And he's got to be more effective at the rim, too. There's no reason he can't be. He's got all of the tools. So it's all within his grasp. He's just got to make it happen, Spence. So we'll see if he can get it figured it out. Figured out. I don't know that he turns it around from being what he is now uh, to, to being an impact defensively, but he, he can certainly get a lot better as this series moves on. Yeah, uh, I don't – it's just he has fundamental issues defensively, his stances, his positioning, the way he communicates with his teammates. So, honestly, in my opinion, it will not get solved. Hopefully you solve it in the off season. Mm -hmm. This might be a problem that plagues him going into the next season. So it depends on his work ethic. This is his technically his rookie season, so we don't know what his work ethic truly is yet. It'll be something to see. But as far as I'm concerned, it's not, it's not going to make a difference in game four or five or six in the series. That's some great analysis from Spencer the Wiz. And Spence, we're going to move to some Las Vegas news here in the sporting world. And it is a final. The Las Vegas Golden Knights on the NHL side in the Western Conference finals of the NHL. They get a win tonight. That's right. Three to nothing over the Dallas Stars. They get a win and they even the series at one. Yes, Tominator, the Knights win. They get the shutout with Robin Leonard behind net. And they even up the series against the Dallas Stars one-to-one. -one. And it's going to be a good series. It could be a low-scoring series. Uh, Spence, I know you've got some some good thoughts on the Knights. Uh, do you think this this is going to be a long series for uh, VGK? 
I think it's going to be a really long series. Dallas is just so talented defensively, but so are the Knights. Uh, they've shown, like, even though they lost game one, it was only one goal. So I don't, you really can't even put that on Flurry. although he probably shouldn't have made the save, but overall he had an incredible game. It's definitely not the goalie position that's the problem. I just, the two players that have to be better for the Knights are Pat Shreddy and March so. To me, you know, it's not like they're playing on the third and fourth line where you don't expect something from them, but Pacioretty was the reason one of the goals got called off tonight. He did have a nice assist to Stasny, but Marcia, so I mean, I think he's neg four through the whole playoffs so far, which is just really bad considering how many blowout wins they've had. It doesn't even seem possible to do that. He's just making bad decisions on the puck, and so is Pacioretty with his penalties, and oh, it's just it drives me nuts. Well, we'll, we'll follow how this sh- series shapes up and maybe give you a, a, an update on Thursday, uh, but the Golden Knights here locally uh, definitely have the fan support. And look, it's unfortunate, Spence, that everybody may have fell asleep in the best segment of the night. I'm saving it for last, uh, but hopefully they'll get it together and sign back on here. And if not, they're going to have to go to the podcast. But the, for the segment of the night, I've been teasing it. Get ready. The confessions hit it, Spence. <laughs> As you were waiting for another edition of the Believer's Confessions, but I've got a twist for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a confession for me tonight, okay? This is a confession that leaked on Twitter last night and trended in the top 10, and it's from NFL superstar Odell Beckham Jr., and it wasn't a confession from him. He had some friends that got on their own podcast and talked about Mr. Beckham. And I wanted to put some sound together so you can hear exactly what was said. But unfortunately, there was too many expletives in this interview to put it on any type of airway. So you're going to have to take my word for it and Spencer's word as we were able to uh, investigate this scenario and tell you what happened. NFL superstar Odell Beckham Jr., current wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, former New York Giants wide receiver has quite the confession or his lady friends do as they got on a podcast and talked about what Odell likes to do behind closed doors in the bedroom in his life. And those were quite the confessions that were made Spence as uh, apparently Odell Beckham Jr. is a big fan of uh, the number two as he likes to be defecated on apparently. Yes. I know you're grossed out everyone listening, uh, but why is this breaking news? I don't know. It's a confession, though, and it's an interesting confession because it was Twittering. It was all over the Twitter and social media universe, and there was tons of jokes being made. I can't remember them all, but it seems apropos that Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, is a player for the Cleveland Browns, giving the latest series of events. Uh, but, yes, the confession from Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, is he's a big fan of, of poop. Uh, Spence, help me out here. Uh, there's a lot of angles to go with this. Uh, what did you hear when you, what did you find out when you first heard about this? Did you find out on Twitter and you said it was quite the conversation in some of your private, uh, group chats. I mean, what are the jokes going around the nation here? And and what are you hearing about this latest confession from Odo Beckham and his groupies? And, And how does one address this? How do you confirm or deny an accusation like this on Odo Beckham Jr.? Yeah, so I did find out on Twitter on my on one of my group chats. The thing is, is first of all, you have to say, do you believe this story? Now, if you look at the video, which of course we can't show you, I was going to bleep out, but 
at that point it would just be like you couldn't even understand what was going on because of so many bleeps but <laughs> there were probably 10 IQ points being passed around that room like a hot potato so when they talk they just toss it to the other uh person but <laughs> I don't know I, I so that's part of it whether you believe it or not I tend to believe it now secondly is does this become the next popular thing we are you know people my age are very impressionable and especially kids at a young age who probably haven't even started that journey of their life yet do they think that's the new normal because their favorite football players doing it <laughs> spence what what is okay let's talk about the instagram post okay so tell the audience what odell put out on twitter about 10 hours ago he did not confirm or deny these allegations but he did have something to say. I'd like you to tell the audience what that was. Okay, let, let's uh, give me one second. I, I will. Oh, I thought you. I thought you knew. Uh, I, I, but I remember by heart. You you make a good point. Is this something now the new generation uh, is is being a fans of? If you're just joining us, the confession of the night isn't for me, but the Odell Beckham Jr. confession that was trending all over Twitter last night as Odell. Uh, some of his female companions got on social media and talked about what he likes to do behind closed doors. And it's pretty grotesque as apparently he's a big fan uh, of, of being pooped on and his girlfriends taking poops and him sending it to it. Audrey Hart jumps in. She's, she's throwing her arms in the air as she's not buying this story. And, and Spence tell the audience what OBJ said on Instagram. So this, in case anyone's wondering, this is not an old uh, Instagram post from last year. Something that just happens to be, you know, associated with this. This post was made ten hours, ten hours ago. So this is technically his response. Says, "Can't knock me off my pivot, no matter what, you know, uh, shoots are thrown my way." But I. <laughs> He's admitting to we it. We could right? say it one time. Whatever shit's thrown his way. So he's kind of making a joke about it. Uh, so it's not quite the denial that you would think. Uh, is this something Odell would feel comfortable embracing if this is something he really loves in his private life? Would, would, he ha- would he have the balls and the guts to embrace this and say, yeah, I did it. I said it. To be that cool. I mean, if you can take that and just not care, I couldn't do that. I feel like my life would be... <laughs> to be honest with you, but I'm, I'm not as cool as Odell Beckham. I, I can't be like, yeah, that's the new normal. What's up? I bet tons of people do it or just scared to say it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, look, I don't know about this firsthand, and I definitely shouldn't be talking about this with Audrey Hart's listening, but this is a podcast, and I have to entertain the audience. And look, this is not for me firsthand knowing. I guarantee, I promise you, because it's not my thing. I'm not a, a poop person. But uh, in one of my former work environments, I was oh – God, I shouldn't even talk about this, Spence. This is not appropriate. This is not appropriate for a podcast. But two girls, one cup, okay, is the joke around Twitter. And that's apparently um, – <laughs> that's apparently a very disgusting video. I, I don't suggest anyone looking at it. I have not looked at it. But it definitely involves some of this stuff Odell Beckham is into. And I'm not into it. I don't know anybody that is into it or comfortably into it. So I don't think this is going to be the new norm. I, I, I am curious that Odell Beckham chose to come out and say what he said on Instagram that's kind of making fun of this. I don't know what the right approach is. Maybe it is you just ignore it and make fun of it. But Spence, you're convinced that it's the reporter's job within the facility to ask him these questions 
not talk about the game that's on Sunday, week one of the 2020 season, new coach, Kevin Stefanski, no preseason. The talking point now is Beckham and his poop habits or his poop <laughs> fetish. Yeah, football is temporary. Fetishes are forever. So, <laughs> Oh, sorry. The Tominator decided to jump in. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, look, there's there's a lot of one-liners. I wasn't able to, to encapsulate them all, but uh, sorry to interrupt you, Spence. I just got to laugh there. But, um, yeah, you're telling me that the, the, the question and focus is not the game here, but they, they, they deserve and they need to ask him these questions. The audience, the, the fans need to know. Is that what you're, you're telling me? Let's get it out of the way. There's no way he doesn't walk into an interview room. And that's not what every, that's, that's the first thing on your mind. There's, you, you can't be thinking about anything else. I am telling you. <laughs> nothing else on their mind. Uh, this this is quite the story. If you're just joining us, the confession of the night was not one of my own, but trending on Twitter last night. Uh, NFL superstar Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. was in quite the controversy as some of his uh, former female companions got on a podcast and, and talked about his poop fetish, how he uh, wants to be pooped on and taking pictures of. Uh, them pooping and they we wanted to get uh, we wanted to get some audio but we, we really couldn't it was it was too profanity laden uh, but if you haven't heard the story or you're just hearing about the story it, it is kind of funny if you want to look online for the video you can find some of the the clips of his his female friends talking about some of their conversation his new fetish and definitely social media has had a ball with it as they uh, they were trending on Twitter and making jokes left and right. And Spence seems to think that this conversation is going to keep going until it gets answered by Beckham. It seems like that could be a distraction. Um, is uh, That could be a distraction leading in, into this season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to follow. Spence thinks this has an opportunity to be a new trend in the millennial com- community. Um, Nolan Richardson has jumped in and said pooping is hot go obj so he's got a fan right there um so look if you missed any part of our discussion on the confessions make sure that you go to any of our social media brad the believer make sure you go to twitter at brad the believer or you can search landry football conference call on all the podcasting platforms audio boom uh, apple itunes all of those, etc. So make sure you subscribe and follow us here at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad the Believer. We will see you live back here on Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time for another edition of the Rest Stop. Have a great night. We'll see you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.